Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Ball on the right hash. Lawrence all by himself. Takes a shotgun snap to pass. Plants. Shuffling right. Still looking. Scanning. Turns. Now he rolls to the left side. Looking for the end zone. Fires off platform. And that's a catch for a touchdown. And it's Calvin Ridley. Richardson has three backs in the backfield with him. Now they're going to motion two to the left. In motion right side, Deion Jackson. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Shotgun snap for Lawrence, hangs in the pocket. He's going to fly it towards the end zone on the right side. And making a diving attempt on the football is Zay Jones. But they're going to say he does catch the ball. The Colts think he's out of bounds over on the right side. But Jones, go for it. Jackson stays in as the back. Grants in a motion to the left side. Two receivers, right ball in the near hash. Richardson, RPO, fakes it. Now he's going to screen it left side to Pittman. He's got a crease. He's at the 20, 15, 10, 5, racing for the pylon. He's in! Lawrence goes out of the gun. Four receivers into the pattern. Ball on the left hash. Lawrence plants in the pocket. He's hit as he throws. The ball is out. There's a fight for it around the 35-yard line. Get the ball. The play is still going. Pick it up. The The Colts pick it up. It's DeForest Buckner. He's at the 10. He's at the 5. Stretching for the pylon. Touchdown. Touchdown for the defense. 15 to go in the fourth quarter. Here they're going to run it with ETN. Starts right, cuts off left. He's at the 20. He's at the 10-5 touchdown. The Colts led 21-17, but Jacksonville outscores the Colts in the last handful of minutes, 14-0, and they win by 10, 31-21. That's the final score. Well, there you go. That's Matt Taylor and Rick Venturi on the Colts Radio Network. As hold uh, heard yesterday uh, right here, it was exciting. I do have to give a shout uh, to the Colts fans out there. I thought the the place yesterday was jumping. Now, granted, it should be it's the start of the season. It's an opener. You had the mystery of wanting to see Richardson. Um, it, it should have been jumping, and it was. And you know, this team gave you reasons to to really get excited. Now they also took some of those away in the fourth, 
But all in all, exciting game. Colts lose. I do want to start right here, though. Um, I kind of got, let say I got into it last night. Uh, I was having a back and forth with um, an idiot. So I was having a back and forth with an idiot. Um, and, and believe me, this is not the first time I've ever done this before. So I, I know how to deal with idiots. So I was having a back and forth with an idiot last night um, because I was talking about exactly what took place in the fourth. Uh, my description was two things that I, I think I want to talk about today. And I want you to share with me and then we'll bring some guests on and we'll talk about it as well. I do. I sit here right now at Twin Peaks on the northeast side, 82nd and I-69. I absolutely understand the situation that this team is in. I do. I do, and I will handle it accordingly. You got first-time starter under center, very inexperienced collegiately in Anthony Richardson. Got a first-time Head coach, first game, dual duties, head coach and offensive coordinator, right? So I understand that. I know where this team is. I mean, all you have to do is look at the roster, and they're not this great level of expectations, and I'm not placing a great level of expectations on them. However, I'm going to sit here every day at 3 o'clock on a Monday, and everybody always has to go to the whole overreaction stuff. This is not an overreaction. I'm going to tell you the good, and then I'm going to tell you the bad. And I don't care what year. I don't care how much experience. I don't care what the expectations are. I don't care. We're going to tell you exactly how it went down. And when I described it yesterday, uh, it was a very entertaining game. Colts had a lead into the fourth, and then crapped the bed, and they lost in the fourth. And if you remember a year ago, I think the Colts were 32nd in the NFL in fourth quarter defense. And as much as I thought the defense played well yesterday, it was another one of those circumstances like Dallas a year ago, um, you know, certainly like Minnesota, like Washington a year ago. How many different descriptions do you have to make of exactly how this team, team-wise and then defensively, is just not able to close. Now, granted, do I understand they were out there the entire stinking quarter? They were. Because the Colts offense, with that lead, came on board. I mean, really good position. Real good position to go up at least two scores. Three and out. Three and out. Three and out. Which did not help the situation whatsoever. But, man, they were in a good spot. But no, it was the fourth quarter where, where they did. And while I thought the entirety of the game, I thought Anthony Richardson, A, was put in a, a really nice position most of the time to succeed, and I would have done the same damn thing if I'm Shane Steichen. I want to work him in. I want to give him some confidence. I want to build that. I think we all would agree that his reactions, his responses to that, you know, up until the fourth quarter, were probably above what we thought. I know his completion percentage was. I mean, I had harped and harped on you. You got to get better here uh, at uh, ball placement. Got to get better here at completion percentage. But unfortunately, in the fourth quarter, 
You know, you, you not only had that interception, which obviously stands out as a big deal, but you also, I think right on the play before that, I believe he missed Kylan Granson. And let me tell you this, don't miss Kylan Granson because when you do, you're missing really outside of Michael Pittman Jr., the only guy that can do anything on this offense. So don't miss him. And that is true. And I'm not making light of that from Anthony's standpoint nor Shane Steichen's standpoint. I mean, this is something we'll talk about regarding Chris Ballard and the whole makeup of this team. But granted, I know where they are. I know where they're supposed to be. I understand the situation, but I'm just not going to sit here every single week. I don't care if it's week one or week 10 and go, hey, you know what? I'm glad it was exciting and they lost. Because last year with the Pacers, it was exciting in December and they gave you hope. They gave you that juice. And I saw that juice that you guys had yesterday inside Lucas Oil Stadium. But the one thing that absolutely wore me out, wore me out from every nerd out there that has to tell us exactly how entertaining that loss was. Now, we're allowed to say the things that did go wrong in a game, no matter, again, what year the head coach is, no matter what year the quarterback is, no matter what year the general manager is. I mean, it's okay. So I just wanted to make sure I get that out of the way. Yes, I, I firmly understand where they are. But at the same time, I, I'm not going to sit here and crawl in a hole and put my arms up and go, well, you know what? They were close, but hey, everything is okay because this is a year where nobody expects anything and you just hope for growth. Let me tell you this. The growth that you're hoping for is going to be stunted if you're not careful here. And we saw that yesterday. Oh, I know. Everybody says all you do is yip-yap. All you do is yell, whine, and cry. I'm not going to come out and see you because all you're doing is whining about stuff. We had talked ad nauseum about support for this quarterback. And again, fully understanding that this is going to be a rough year more than likely. It's going to be a rough year for him. You know, this is a reboot no matter what you think about Chris Ballard. In the first six years of that lack of success, this is going to be a reboot. We know where this team is, but our hope was that you could, as best of your ability, help them out, help the quarterback out. You know, maybe expedite the process of growth. You know, maybe give this fan base a little bit of something, juice-wise, which was there yesterday, and then have something to show for it. What's funny for it, it's funny when, when people tell me all the time, you know, about the evaluation of a game, you know, no matter what the situation is, organizationally speaking for the team, you know, where they are, you know, if they should have the expectations, if, if they're rebuilding or whatever, um, I always have to bring this up. Do you think DeForest Buckner gives one big fat crap about that being an entertaining loss? You think he gives one crap about it? He doesn't. You might, you might not care to hear it, but he doesn't care. Those guys were out there fighting. That's the one thing that stood out to me. There was a great deal of fight in that team yesterday. And that's why it sucks so bad that in the fourth, they could not complete the deal. Because that's also part of the growth. And this is something that that we have dealt with for a while, too. I mentioned last year, 32nd in the NFL in fourth quarter defense. 
And you got the same defensive coordinator. You've got, you know, certainly up front, a lot of, of the same individuals that were a part of that. And, you know, I think that gets lost in the shuffle because if you remember a year ago, everything got blamed on you know, the quarterback and the quarterback sucks and you hired a bad coach and we got to sign a petition. And, and really the defense got an incredible pass. I thought this year, at least through the first three quarters, the defense did all that it could. And, and I know I was really pessimistic going in. I thought really the only edge was the defensive line. And I thought that they showed that. But I'm going to give credit. I, Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed, I thought, played outstandingly. And then I'll also tell you this. I thought the debut of Shaquille Leonard was very good. I mean, it may come back to where he is a difference maker in terms of turning the football over. But what I gathered in that first game back, he seemed to me fitting back into the mold that made him, got him that extension and made him a linebacker that everybody thought was top tier of the NFL. He was flying around. He may not have made a lot of plays. I know he made at least one that ultimately forced Jacksonville into a punting situation. I think got them out of field goal range, in fact. I, uh, he was moving around. I think that's going to get better. Hopefully he stays injury-free, healthy. But I thought that was, was better. And, and I'm going to give credit where a lot of you suggest credit shouldn't be due. I'm going to give credit to the secondary. I thought the secondary, they may not be the most skilled, especially at corner. And who knows? They may grow into it. Just week number one. But, man, those dudes battled. Those dudes battled. I know what you're saying. Well, Calvin Ridley was running free. Well, on the touchdown for Calvin Ridley, um, he was running free because it was like 10 seconds before anybody got at Trevor Lawrence. He was like running around like it was Tecmo Bowl the entire play. And you just, you can't, you're not going to be able to protect or guard when, you know, the protection is for about 30 seconds for Trevor Lawrence. But I thought those guys fought. And I will say this. I, I, I thought, and I know they put up 33 points or whatever. And, you know, Zay Jones had a great catch in the end zone. You know, Ridley was, was a monster most of the game. And no question about that. But I thought those guys fought. And I like that. On the offensive side, I don't know about the offensive line. There were times when I thought, hey, you know what? This is on the right track. And then there are times when I thought that they regressed back to what we witnessed a year ago. Man, how long has short yardage been an incredibly difficult scenario for this team? And we saw that again yesterday. Seems like whomever is coaching that up, going all the way back to Howard Mudd, it seems like short yardage is a pain in the ass for this team. I don't think there's any question about that. So, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to ask Rick Venturi how they thought. I know that Joe was on with Jake a little bit earlier. I, Joe could probably give you a pretty good idea how, how well he felt that they had played. They, they made a couple of plays here or there. And, you know, there were a, a couple of points where, yeah, not so much. So, I, I don't know, know about that that much. Um, here's the thing that I do know offensively. I do know that I thought Shane Steichen put Anthony Richardson, as I mentioned earlier, in a really good space and spot to succeed. And for most of that game, he did. 
But as we've talked about ad nauseum, seemingly day after day, month after month, is that you got to give him some offensive support. And it just wasn't there. You can't have running backs collectively outside of your quarterback, who was your leading rusher. You can't have running backs collectively average one and a half yards. I'm barely able to make that a plural. Barely. One and a half yards. I almost have to say one yard. Like, how about that? Singular? One and a half yards per carry. Cannot happen. And then when it's going that bad, you can't have two turnovers. You can't cough it up twice. You know, what's funny about it, too. I mean, we, we talked about, you know, the place kicking situation and how, you know, missed field goal, guy gets cut. If and we'll see what happens this week. But if this were a situation where they had more bodies, for example, we heard that that Evan Hull is probably going to miss some time, went out yesterday with an injury. If they had more bodies, um, certainly if Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor were here, if they just had more right now, which they absolutely don't, then Deion Jackson's not here. Because that was as costly as anything. We talk about the, the special teams and the punt return, and there's no doubt that's when things really did drastically change. But the one thing that hasn't with this team, and I don't care what type of personnel we're talking about, I don't care what type of expectations, is their skill positions stink. They just do. Their skill positions stink. And listen, I like Michael Pittman Jr. a great deal. That was a, a nicely set up play, and, and he had a parade, an entourage with him to the end zone. And good for him, too. That was a 39-yard touchdown. I think he ended up with somewhere in the neighborhood over 90 yards receiving, right? And that touchdown, which, you know, really does, it, it makes the receiving yards, makes that look better, makes your skill position players look better. But you take that away, which you don't. But if you take that away, you just look at these skill guys and you're going, all right, <laughs> how is this not the worst in the NFL? And that's where that front office has to be better. That front office has to be better. And we'll get into Jonathan Taylor coming up in a bit. I know he's sitting there on pup. He's got another three weeks. But just in general, remember, this team has been sitting on this whole running back situation, for example, for the better part of a month. Uh, they brought in um, James Robinson. They brought in Kareem Hunt. And I know my feeling on Kareem Hunt. But they've been sitting on that for a month. And, and what was so disappointing is uh, you're waiting on Zach Moss to come back. And a lot of you think he's going to be a, a big difference maker. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you that he's going to be. I guess I can't also tell you that he's not. Now, hopefully, he's better than anything that we witnessed yesterday. They couldn't do anything. And what that does is that just, in general, hurts the offense, leads to a lack of production, but it also hurts the growth of the quarterback. How many times do you remember watching Anthony Richardson throw it down the field? I know we had talked about this a great deal. We talked about wanting to see the touch he puts on the football down the field. You know, and Alec Pierce going up and, and trying to fight for the football, making winning plays like that. Um, I don't recollect what we saw it. You know, also keeps you from going outside the numbers. I mean, everything was underneath 
You know, everything was short. And I know that that was a product of the game plan early just to get him settled down. And, and to me, that's a solid game plan. But at some point, you do have to stretch it a little bit. And they were incapable of doing that offensively because, simply put, they couldn't run the ball. They were a zero threat. Jacksonville could not have cared less who lined up back there. There is no threat. And in terms of Jonathan Taylor, sure, I don't know his health. Sure, I don't know the financial background situation of what he and his representation are wanting right now. But you are absolutely out of your mind if you don't think this guy not only would help this team now in potentially winning games that maybe we wouldn't think they'd have a chance, but he helps your quarterback a great deal. I'm going to play both ends on this. He would help you, again, if healthy and Jonathan Taylor-esque, he helps you both in winning possibilities, which certainly he would have yesterday. I'm not sure that they would still win because I'm not sure about that defense in the fourth. But he certainly would put you in a better position than what they ended up with that running game. And the other aspect is it makes your quarterback more dangerous. And that's what we want to see out of him. We want to see a little bit more out of him. I, I'm, I'm intrigued as hell. I don't know about anybody else. I am intrigued as hell. Now, I don't want him getting his ass whipped, which yesterday when he didn't get up, I oh, man, you got to be kidding me. I don't want to see that. And I like what Trevor Lawrence said to him after the game. Maybe uh, not dialing it down is the wrong, I think, description to use here, but use a little bit more caution because you know, this is not like the SEC. This is not like college football. But he did give you a, a lot to be excited about, even with that interception late, even with that miss, the play before that on Granson late. He gave you a lot of reason to be excited. But, man, it would be nice, and there's not a damn thing wrong with it, that – in the midst of, of excitement and your entertainment value that they can put together a situation where they can close a game. And I know that that defense was put in some unenviable situations late. And I know that they were in their own territory, basically backs against the wall the entire time. But, you know, a similar situation a year ago, just the fourth quarter no matter you're on the field too much and you're tired or what have you, they simply can't get it done. And that's something that's something didn't stand out a year ago because we were all worried about everything else. You're worried about this you know, old fart quarterback. You're worried about this guy off TV that's got a petition, the interim head coach that Jim Irsay brought in. Uh, we're worried about a myriad of things in that clown show a year ago. But now this is really going to be under the microscope. The spotlight is going to be lit on this. And that's something I want to see figured out because, I mean, really, if, if you're going to get the level of play, and I don't even know if I should describe it as play, how about the, the level uh, of toughness and fight that that secondary tried to show, if, if you're going to get that, then you, you are going to have to, and I hate to use this term too, but, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to, you have to nut up and make some plays if you're that defense. And know that your offense is going to stumble and bumble at times. Especially looking at the roster. How can it not? How can you not expect some three and outs or maybe falling into a trend of three and outs? You've got to expect that. 
So that opportunity was there. And that's what's mostly disappointing to me is I really wanted to see them cash that in. I did. I wanted to see them cash that in and go to Houston, which is an incredibly winnable game, and then see how maybe they can turn around some minds, including my own here. Wanted to see them cash that in. They were unable to. And that's unfortunate. 31-21 yesterday, Jaguars over the Colts, and we have plenty of time to talk about that over the course of the afternoon. But I just I wanted to get you first, before anything else, my thoughts on how we're going to handle this this year. Because I handled the Pacers the same way. If there was a bad play, if something screwed up and it's on them, then it's going to be on them. If it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. We all understand the situation they're in. But we all hold professionals to the standard of, well, go out there and make plays. And I know that you're going to grow through it, hopefully, if you're Anthony Richardson. The problem you're going to have right now is, unfortunately, those that put together this team did not give you nearly enough. Matter of fact, mostly nothing. And I know of only one way that gets better. Like one way that you can seriously make that better right now. And again, I don't know if you win the game, but one and a half yards per carry is a joke. And you got to be able to run the football. You got to be able to run the football to be competitive. You got to be able to run the football to help out your quarterback. You know, now there's going to be a lot of tape out there on Anthony Richardson. And now's when you really need that. And he just does not have enough offensive support right now. That's the cut in the dry. So there's my back and forth on what we saw yesterday. Now I want to talk with you at 239-1070. Email address is jmv at 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'm watching everybody right now. Twin Peaks, we're on the northeast side. We're in Castleton. And we've got great deals. Monday night football to close out. Week number one of the NFL season features. The Bills and the Jets coming up later on tonight. Fantasy-wise, hmm. I'm going to cash that in in week number one. Seriously, I have the worst fantasy team, I'm sure, in our league. But I had the Dallas defense and special teams, and I had Brandon Ayuk. So <laughs> I only needed two guys, or actually more than two guys, a team, two teams, and then a guy. That's about it. Uh, we'll check out the Pickums as well. Michael Lombardi, the GM Shuffle is his podcast, and he also has a book out too. The former NFL executive is going to join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. And Stephen Holder of ESPN.com will go over the latest regarding the health because he was banged up at the end of the game. Anthony Richardson, the rookie quarterback. Get your thoughts on him too. I They... This, his skill set still gives me plenty of reason to think, oh, wow. Even if they didn't cash it in with a win yesterday. But, man, he has to have some help. Give the dude some help. Seriously. Now, we'll talk to Stephen about that. The health of Evan Hall, which doesn't look good here for the short term, at least, foreseeable future. And I would think a veteran running back is in the fold sometime here in the not-so-distant future as well. Steven's going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Twin Peaks, northeast side. We've got zoo tickets, a family four-pack to give away as well. 82nd and I-69 is our location. It's a busy show. 
on a not an overreaction Monday, it's a reasonable reaction Monday. Because everything I just said is absolutely 100% true. And you know that. We'll get your thoughts on that coming up on the other side. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, the stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich, a Dr. Pepper, make it fast. I'm in a damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, welcome back. 82nd and I-69. We're at Twin Peaks on this Monday. Shane Company's Monday afternoon quarterback uh, starting today. Uh, we are talking up, obviously, what took place yesterday. And the Shane Company. Now, I, I love me, and this is always a good thing, right? In, in terms of the Shane Company and what you're looking for. Fine jewelry since 1929. Made to shine. Always good. So what? What did you gather yesterday as far as the quarterback position is concerned for the Colts? 223 through the air for Anthony Richardson and his first NFL start. One TD, one costly interception. Also scored on the ground if you're keeping track at home. Here's what I looked at. 65% was that completion percentage. And uh, his QBR was, I think, in the neighborhood of 23.5 yesterday. And again, Monday afternoon quarterback brought to you by the Shane Company. Fine jewelry since 1929. So I thought it started out well. I thought he and his coach were working well together to get him acclimated, comfortable, and confident. And then, man, when things really get crunched in the fourth quarter, you know, that got him. And that also, unfortunately, a defense that had played so well gave up 14. I know short field, and I know on the field the entirety of the time, but gave that up in the fourth, and the Colts end up losing. Got more on our Monday afternoon quarterback from the Shane Company coming up. Meantime, 239-1070. I want to get your thoughts. I shared mine as far as where we are, uh, what happened yesterday, and then some. Michael Lombardi is going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour. Stephen Holder is going to be here as well. We'll start right now with Rick at 239-1070. Hello, Rick. Hey, thank you. Especially over Hello, Rick. If Rick's not going to pay attention, we got to get somebody's ass on here. Who else we got there, James? Tell me. We got Q, T-Mobile, Ray. T-Mobile, yeah, let's get him. Hello, Ray. How are you? Hey, JMV, I'm here. Uh, Hi, Ray. How are you, up. brother? I wanted to get up to uh, Touchdown Town with you, but me and my bud stayed on side of Fooders to light up one. Um, <laughs> but but I, I want to say something that really disturbed me about the fan sure. base yesterday. But I'll say this really quickly. Section 204, we were loud, we were rocking, and we were proud. Um but about once Anthony threw that interception in the fourth, um, I seen guys walking out, um, headed towards the t- headed towards the exit, and I want to say that's that, that's a weak move by the fan base. Colts Nation, do better. Um, but into regards of the game, I I want to say Richardson played very well, very well, better than what. I expected, you know, I was expecting a little more erraticness. Um, but I, I, my, my thought of it is this, J&D, we need to get away from, I know Jonathan Taylor is a great player, but just by the quote-unquote reported moves Chris Ballard is trying to make, I think we're we're getting away from trying to be this run-centric team, so to speak. Um, 
And I think he's looking for a receiver. He's looking to add a young gun um, by trying mm-hmm. to get out there and make those moves for Waddle and Watson, reportedly, of course. But I, I, I think Taylor, he may be, I don't want to say it like that, but I think Taylor may be a pawn in all this of trying to get Richardson weapons. And I, I think that's what it may end up coming down to um, with the Taylor situation. What um, what, what uh, pawn is in in how? As far as in a, a trade piece to maybe get oh. a young. Yeah, receiver. yeah. I mean, it, well, at some point he's going to play. At some point he's going to play. I know yesterday news broke about 9 a.m. It wasn't breaking news around here because I talked about it for like a month. Uh, exactly what was going on with Taylor. And I know this too, Ray. Colts fans may be at a point right now, and I don't blame them through all this, maybe at a point right now where just, hey, trade him and then move on uh, because you don't want to see him around here anymore. But when I sit here, I'm talking about him in terms of still being under contract and helping out a guy that clearly needs it on this offense, and that is Anthony Richardson. And, you know, if, if we're talking healthy you know, normalcy type of Jonathan Taylor, it, it is ridiculous still to me that something cannot be done about this. If it's as easy as, as it is to see for you and I and everybody else out there regarding what is necessary to this offense, um, I, I don't know how it's not that incredibly easy for those that are around football every day of their life to see too. That's the part that drives me nuts. And again, I, people have said, hey, if he was in the game, they would have won. I don't know if they would have won. I just know that that gives you a legitimate threat on an offense that has really zero. Like, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is is on the fringe of that. I mean, he is a threat. But if you watched that game yesterday, I mean, there's zero separation. You can't go down the field. I mean, basically, Jacksonville, if they were doing that defensively in that bare defense of trying to, you know, to keep absolutely everything in front of them, uh, mission accomplished right there. Because that's defensively, that's what they wanted to do. That's exactly how they ended up doing it. But you're just going to have to have some help. And I'm not even talking about winning games, Ray, in terms of, you know, wins and losses here. I'm talking about just helping out this guy that clearly needs help. And, I don't think there's any doubt about that, looking at this roster and then watching the way that offense played yesterday. Hey, JMB, let me um, throw this at you, too. Um, I haven't seen this angle took in much. Um, My thoughts are they'll win the game if they do some things differently, coaching-wise. Of course, the fumbles didn't help it as well. But if those fourth-down conversions aren't gone for, and maybe it's a punt or or field goal, um, however that would have played out differently. What what are your thoughts about the job that Spiking did just overall? Yeah, uh, and, and Ray, thank you for the call. I, I know you're probably talking in terms of the end of the game. I, I guess I come away with not being that that over the top on on Steichen with that. I'm assuming here, right? Because I haven't talked to him. I don't know. But I'm assuming that his feeling was, all right, you're so close, you punch this in, and then if you get an onside kick um, and, you know, you're that much closer to trying to get Matt Gay from 50-plus. So I, I, I can understand that thinking. Um, I would also understand this, that historically speaking, <laughs> that we know short yardage has been a task with this group 
and this offensive line. And I don't know whether or not he felt coming in that what he does offensively would be like, uh, you know, opening up a, a box of, of toys now. And now the offense is going to be that much better in short yardage because of what he does offensively. That clearly didn't work. His short yardage looked every bit as the issue yesterday as it did a year ago. And it really has for a while, to be honest with you. I mean, whether we're talking about Chris Strasser or Tony Sperano Jr., uh, it looked the same to me. And that's something you have to fix. But again, that's something that to me can also be fixed if you would have a consistent threat. They just don't have it. I'm not trying to at all throw any shade at Michael Pittman Jr. because I like him a great deal. But you do, you take away that 39 yard play where he basically had a parade of blockers to the end zone. And then you think about what this team did, you know, outside of, of Richardson trying to make plays and running around. Think about what this team did. They have so many offensive holes to fill, and I, I guess it's good that this is a rebuilding year because clearly you're going to give them the opportunity to do that. But I also have to sit here and tell you how they ended up losing the game and what led to that loss because ultimately is about that. And again, as I mentioned in the last segment, if you were to ask these players, they're not going to give a crap about anybody talking about entertaining losses. It's like the Pacers last year. I mean, they're going to take that as such a slight. They don't want to hear that. They were out there to win. And part of the issues with the offensive line, which have been hanging around forever, were also issues with the defense. And we saw those issues with the defense. They got widely covered up a year ago because everything was such foobar. But it was an issue again yesterday, and that is fourth quarter defense. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. More of your thoughts on yesterday. We'll move forward to Monday Night Football can be seen right here at Twin Peaks tonight. That's the Bills and the Jets to close out week number one of the NFL season. And again, the Shane Company. The Shane Company presents to you the Monday afternoon quarterback. Shane Company made to shine fine jewelry since 1929 in describing what took place offensively yesterday with Anthony Richardson and the Colts and that loss to Jacksonville. All right, quick break and we shall return. We're live in Castleton today, 82nd and I-69. Twin Peaks, more me, more of you. Michael Lombardi coming up. Stephen Holder, too, on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back to Castleton here. It's Twin Peaks, the location. 82nd and I-69, and we're brought to you by Windschulers. Spreadable cheeses. I love all the flavors, too. That's Indy's favorite cheese spread. Win Schuler's finding at Meyer, Kroger, and other fine establishments today. Thank you all for joining us inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I see you guys working there. If you all have any questions, you can ask me as well. Michael Lombardi, the GM Shuffle. You got a book out as well. The former NFL executive joins us in the 4 o'clock hour. Stephen Holder, who I'm assuming was with uh, Shane Steichen and others today. Evan Hull went out with an injury yesterday. He is going to miss some time, according to Shane Steichen. And uh, we'll see Anthony Richardson trying to come back from uh, getting dinged up himself yesterday uh, in that game. Yeah, I know that that hit 
That hit in the fourth worried me like it should worry everybody else out there, too. But again, Colts lose 31-21. In comparison, I mentioned the numbers yesterday of Anthony Richardson. Bryce Young and his first start with Carolina, 148 through the air and a touchdown along with two interceptions in that game. That was a Panther loss. And uh, the Texans and C.J. Stroud, which, by the way, would be the competition for the Colts next week in Houston. Stroud had 242 through the air, and the Ravens beat the Texans 25-9. to J.K. Dobbins goes down for the season with an Achilles injury. That's the Ravens running back. So a lot of you may be asking the question, is that maybe a suitable opportunity for the Colts to trade Jonathan Taylor? John Harbaugh, as it stands today, answered that question and said they will not look to trade for a running back. And again, we'll see. But that's what John Harbaugh said about that situation a little bit earlier today. I know a lot of you guys were considering that as maybe an opportunity for Taylor at some point. Again, inside the lounge via YouTube Live, 239-1070 is the number. Hey, James, back in the studio. Who do we got up next here? Uh, let's go with Q. Hello, Q. It's good to hear from you, my good man. Hey, how's it going, Mr. JRV? Hey. I, Hello, I, I Q. Hey, can you hear me? Hey, can you hear me? I got you. I got you, buddy. Hey, hey, how's it going? I, I, I need someone to help me understand. What, yeah. what is Chris Ballard seeing in these receivers? I mean, God knows it's been six years, well, now seven, of the same crap year after year after year. And when every time someone asks him a question, it's always, we like who we have. And I'm like, who do you have? And it's like, you said it perfectly the other day, like how they struggled to get separation against second and third string players. And we saw the same thing against the Warrens on Sunday. And it's like, what point? I mean, Jacksonville won the division. Tennessee's won the division. Like, what is it going to take for him to wake up and see that we need more weapons to help our quarterback? I, I don't know. He's going to have a three-year window to get this thing figured out, and I know that's much to the chagrin of many out there, but I'm going to tell you that's absolutely true right there. He's going to have a three-year window here in this reboot to figure it out. I, I, I don't know with the way that they're handling Taylor, if that is – a lot of people have maybe thought that was a dictation of a change of philosophy. I don't really believe that. I, I still think he, he – thinks the same about that position as he ultimately always has. I, I, um, I, I, I wish I had an answer for you, Q. I do, because this is something that even the average fan has looked at and understood. And the fact that it just continues the same, and it was especially noticeable yesterday, really on all levels, skill position-wise, offensively, it was incredibly right. noticeable. Uh, that has to drive everybody nuts, and I absolutely don't blame you because I've been at the head of this class for a while and being driven nuts over this. And even if you're not dealing with heavy you know, championship aspirations, for example, here, I mean, help this dude out. Help this quarterback right. out a little bit. 1.5 right. yards per carry is a joke, a joke. from running backs. Yes. It's an absolute joke. I don't, it just it makes zero sense to me. But you got about three more years, I think, to get this this thing figured out from a, a Ballard standpoint. We'll see. We'll see if he truly has a change of heart. I mean, we've had the cap space. I mean, it's like year year in and year out. They always show this yeah. graph of all oh, the Colts have time. I'm like, use the cap space instead of saving it. Like, what is this, a checking account? 
spend the money. Like, we have it. You know what's funny? Whole- exactly. Hey, Q, what's funny about that, the team they played yesterday, you know, got you know, offensive output through the air that they had not seen since the heyday of Keenan McCardell and, and Jimmy Smith. <laughs> they got that type of output, right? And everybody was in love with it. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't throw bouquets at one another here. They went out and uh, they right. got a guy in Calvin Ridley that was uh, a difference maker. He was the difference maker yesterday, especially early in that game because the guy, Common. you know, was running wide open often too. They went out and they added, you know, to what they have of, of Zay Jones and Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram at tight end, that hybrid. They went out and added another game-changing type of producing wide receiver. Now, granted, they're at a different level with different aspirations going here, but that should be the philosophy. I think Jacksonville has it right philosophy-wise right. as far as, you know, what they're doing with their skill position players there. Me too. Well, I appreciate I appreciate taking my call. You have a good one. Q, I appreciate you more than you know, man. Especially every single Saturday night when Q calls in. Gives me a little uh, little help here. All right. Tell me, James, what we got next. I'm going to have to start writing. Here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to get a screen here, I think. We're going to get the assist pro. I'm going <laughs> to see this in front of me because James is getting tired of being on the air right here. Uh, I need an assist pro. What do you got for me, James? Let's go ahead and get Mike on the air. Mike at 239-1070. Hello, Mike. How are you? I am doing great, JMV. And if you heard a collective oh, no, coming from New Pal last yesterday afternoon, that was me yelling at my wife in the garage. I thought mm-hmm. we just lost Richardson. I just ate my stomach. <laughs> you know, and I had the Schuler spread in me and everything, and it just – Yes, you did. I'm like, this is no. But, hey, I, I, the thing I don't understand is – Everybody says, well, they're going to be, including you, and I, and I agree to a point, we need to get somebody now as far as in that backfield. Between you and me wow. and a couple guys from Mystic Waters, we could have gotten 25 yards. I mean, come on. And, and the other thing is a sack up. Well, if, if you've got a head coach that's going to run and, and try some different things, I get it. Um, one yard? One yard. Hell, you can almost fall over and get one yard. I mean, come Mike on. Mike is brutal. There was no push. That part, that part was brutal, too. And, you know, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time talking about it because it was significant. I mean, it, it was oh. significant yesterday because they had a really good opportunity to shut me and others up that had picked against them in week number one. And I, I thought they did a lot of things right, as we talked about. Hey, Mike, thank you very much for the phone call. Right. Tell Donna I said hello as well. I, I thought they did a lot of things right. You get into the fourth quarter. And, you know, you can't do anything offensively. Your defense is out there, and then your defense reverts back to a year ago and how they played in the fourth quarter as well. So that was problematic. A lot of things to talk about, some good and some bad. We'll continue that. Michael Lombardi after four. Stephen Holder in the 5 o'clock hour. Twin Peaks northeast side on a Monday to round out week number one of the NFL season with Monday Night Football tonight with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I am John, and I am glad that you're here. Twin Peaks, northeast side, Castleton, hour number two. Colts lose 31-21 yesterday. I really did. I explained about as well as I could exactly what I believe, not just me, but you should be looking for in terms of game to game here. 
If somebody ever comes at you and says, ah, well, you know, it's a rebuilding thing and it's okay. Tell them to say, all right, well, ask DeForest Buckner that. If anybody ever talks ever again, and I know that to describe it, I'll have to mention it. Entertaining losses. Because I'm sick of it. I hate it. I think it's nerdery. But if anybody brings that up to you, say, hey, why don't you go ask a player what they think about entertaining losses? Yeah, it was a loss. Just a loss. Now, again, we view it differently here because it's a loss for a team that doesn't have lofty expectations. But we still are allowed to talk about exactly what went on. What went down to the good, what went down to the bad. It's all fair game, and it should be. It's the way that it is. A lot of things stood out to me, and I gave those an hour number one. I thought the linebackers, you know, EJ Speed didn't get that much mention when he was in there. I thought he made some plays. Zaire Franklin was all over the stinking place. What do you have, 18, 19 tackles all over the place. Not giving up on that play, the punch out, Shaquille Leonard style, DeForest Buckner, huffs it down the field, gets into the end zone for that touchdown. That was pretty awesome. I thought Shaquille Leonard's return was exactly what you wanted. I know it didn't come with any playmaking ability, but I, I thought that he was getting around quickly in a way that we were all kind of concerned, at least early on, that he would or maybe even wouldn't in this case. And I'm going to give a little bit of love, and I know you guys are going to think I'm crazy for it, but I, I thought the secondary, I thought the secondary fought. I thought that they fought, especially at corner. You may not know who they are from Dallas Flowers to Daryl Baker Jr., but I thought those guys were out there fighting. Now, again, this, this defense transformed into the Colts defense that we know, that we knew a year ago in the fourth quarter. 32nd in defense a year ago in the fourth quarter in the NFL, which, as you know, is uh, awful. And they reverted to that. They gave up 14. But I also know this. Short fields. Uh, the offense couldn't do anything but three and outs. No sustainability whatsoever. But that should not be deemed as unusual. You should expect that. And there are way too many defensive veterans on this team to be, you know, pushed that. I mean, you do, you have to hold a team to a field goal. At least. And I thought that yesterday looked a lot like some fourth quarter defensive efforts that we saw a year ago giving up 14 in the fashion in which they did. So there was the good and the bad from yesterday. And the, and the overall bad is just a spot where I just don't think they can dig out of. And that's adding, you know, anybody as far as, you know, being a three, even if it's Jonathan Taylor. I know you guys are sick and tired of it. But, man, yesterday, not even from a winning standpoint, yesterday I thought outlined exactly what we had talked about over and over again, the importance of this team. Now, if not in the running to win a, a title, if not in the running to make the postseason, but just to help out a learning quarterback, I thought the coach did. I thought Shane Steichen certainly did early. I mean, everything was underneath. Everything was, was controlled, trying to get this kid confidence. They'll feel comfortable. I want to see them take shots, and so do you. You can't if your running backs average one and a half yards per carry. Can't do that. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate that, Travis. 
So there were some good and there were some bad, and I don't care what type of season we're talking about, rebuild or otherwise, that's exactly how we'll talk about it every Monday. And you can tell there's no overreaction in me. I got no overreaction. Everybody else can overreaction Monday. I'm just going to give you the nuts and the bolts of what went down yesterday. Uh, We got that. Uh, By the way, too, unfortunately yesterday, a lot of you, and I know a lot of the Generation Xers, we're sitting on, going up to Ruoff to see Pearl Jam. And then they decided to, well, they had to cancel, I guess. I, I don't want to say cancel because I think they're coming back. Postponed that date they had at Ruoff last night because of a sickness uh, in the band. I know a lot of you were geared up for that. That didn't take place last night. So that means you probably, Generation X, you know, those of you that are in, in the, the neighborhood of my age, I'm 53, so, you know, under, over, whatever, uh, there was a lot more attention to detail today in the workforce locally than there would have been had Pearl Jam played last night. That's a long day for you. Long day for you. Corey asked this before we get back to the phones. Why is no one talking about the old line? They couldn't block you or I yesterday. I brought this up earlier, Corey, and I said this. There were moments when I thought, oh, yeah, Tony Sperano Jr. I get that now. You know, there are moments when, you know, I, I'd mentioned that, that touchdown catch and run for Michael Pittman Jr. You know, Ryman was out there, I think, along with Colin Granson. It was a tight end. I think it was Granson uh, with that escort to the end zone. But then again, you revert back to short yardage, which much like a year ago, your defense in the fourth quarter was terrible. The short yardage situation last year, year before last. And I will say this, Corey, that is unacceptable. Unacceptable. Were they three of ten on third down, one of something on four? I forget what it is, fourth down. They were awful on third and fourth down. But the short yardage stuff with this group that they pay handsomely is ridiculous. And it's not like this is altogether new right here. Take it easy, Travis. Uh, This is something we've dealt with for a while. Certainly would it get better if you had better skill position players, if you had Jonathan Taylor in the backfield over uh, Deion Jackson, who was awful. I mean, awful. As awful as we have seen. I'm trying to think who had... A worse day like that. That was awful. But you just need a little bit more help. And I, I honestly, to answer your question, Corey, I would have to ask somebody that actually – Joe Wrights, for example, would be good to ask. There were moments where I thought, okay, this offensive line, yeah, that's more like it. And then there are moments when you're thinking, yeah, this offensive line is the same old, same old. So I guess I had a bit of a mixed opinion, Corey, on that. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You guys are in there. You guys can talk about this game and then some. Michael Lombardi, bottom of the hour. Stephen Holder in the 5 o'clock hour. Let's go to Kyle at 239-1070 with his reaction on yesterday's game. All right, who else is there, James? We've got Greg. Hello, Greg. Thanks for joining the show. John, I'll start off how I always start off. How are you? Tell you what, Greg, I am fantastic. I started Monday out at Twin Peaks. Some beers happening right here, talking a little football. It is nice. Even if Pearl Jam postponed last night, it's nice. I got some sleep. Fantastic. No better than that, right? No doubt. I know we're not going for the, you know, we we, we got 
they lost the game and, and you don't want to hear about, you know, how, you know, the, 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 the water's, you know, the glass is half full. I get it. I understand. But I'll tell you that, like, I saw yeah. out of three and a half quarters yesterday more potential in that team than I saw at any moment last season. Every I think every group has gotten better except for, obviously, the running back room. That's that's not – you can call that whoever wants to take the blame for that. Um, that doesn't necessarily – Play it plays a huge factor in yesterday, but that's out of the control of of the rest of the team at the moment. So I thought that I thought that every position got better. I, I did see improvement out of out of all of those spots. Here's what I look at though, and we talk about how you know you're right. DeForest Buckner, Kerry wants to win. Everybody wants to win that's yeah. in that room. But outside of Jim Irsay. Who in this city thinks that the Colts were going to win nine or ten games and make the playoffs? Nobody. No, right? nobody. Like, nobody. I, I took the, I took the room, under six and a half. For sure, right? So, mm-hmm. at that point, as far as building the team up, you know, a competitive game as it was yesterday for three and a half quarters, they lose it in the fourth. Would you rather have six wins or three wins? You're not making the playoffs either way. So, give me three or four wins. Give me a top five pick rebuild the team, continue to get better. I understand that the Colts aren't going to say that it's a rebuilding process. They wouldn't say that like the Pacers came out and said. And we've seen what, you know, what that team has done over time of kind of tanking it a little bit and getting better. But I don't care. I, I, if you're not going to get nine or ten wins, make a playoff run, and go win a Super Bowl, then give me three. I don't know if that's the right attitude to have, but would you rather pick in the top five or pick 19, 18, whatever it is, by winning six, seven mediocre, you know, games with that, so I'm fine. Yeah, hey, hey, Greg, and I'll, I'll stay. I'll, I'm going to stay on here with you because if I hang yeah. up, you're probably going to think I'm I'm going at you, and no, I'm no. not. No, but yeah, I, I want to see. I want to see them win games that they should win and can win. I I, I I have sat around here for so many years of BS, disappointment. And people saying within the Colts, this is what we're going to do. All these promises that have been broken. I want to see these guys win some games. And I guess I sit here right now not really giving too much of a blank about where they end up drafting if they win six games over three games or seven games over three games. That to me, if you win games with this group right now, especially offensively, that to me shows signs of progress and that's what I'm looking for, Greg. And I think we're going to see that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like when it comes to that three versus six, I think that this team is going to surprise people. I, re- I do, man. I saw something different yesterday than I saw at any point in the 2022 season. I, it's just, it's, it's a different team. There's different people out there. So again, I'm not trying to be, you know, the rose-colored glasses and think this is a great team because there's way, there's places for them to get better at every position that's out there. Uh, you got a rookie quarterback who I thought. I, I think he is who, who everybody was, you know, who they're saying he is. I know it's a small sample size. Yesterday was, 14, you know, start number 14, but he looks the part. And I think that they are going to get better, and they are going to surprise some people winning more games than even what I thought at the beginning. I'm just looking at it from the big picture. We want a big playmaker in the top five. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not as upset if, if, they, if they don't win as many games as what we want them to win. Well, I will tell you this. I'm, I'm not up, upset at all about yesterday, but I, I can't dismiss 
the mistakes they make and then say, well, you know what, it's for the good of the team. I, I just can't, I can't do that. I mean, even with Anthony yeah. Richardson, I mean, he hit a couple there in the fourth, and I know it's a whole growing experience, but it, we, we sit here to tell it like it is and how it happened, and, and that was a mistake in the fourth, and, and they couldn't get the offense going in the fourth and three and outs and all that. And the de- I mean, you've you got to point out to me, you've got uh, to point out the mistakes well, that were made. But I, I, just, I just think to sure. me, I, I'm not well, so much worried about draft positioning as I am the growth of this quarterback with this team moving forward. And I, I, I think success and wins equate to growth that can be acquired expeditiously, meaning, sure. hey, we're in year number three and waiting around to see if this guy is it or not. I, I'm, I'm all for getting this thing at a quicker pace if you can. I understand if it isn't and they make mistakes, but at the same time, if you can expedite the process, I'm on board with it. Yeah, and I think everybody here agrees that if there's a if there's a healthy Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, they probably win that game yesterday. I mean, there go that that last. I know people are saying, you know, hey, they should have kicked that field goal and then gone for the outside kick to get the touchdown yeah. to, to tie the game. I, I look at it from a 14 play, 72 yard drive with three and three and a half minutes. Your first and goal from the three, you should punch that in. Um, but yeah. I think it's easier to do that if an onside kick is 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 not very likely to be done anyway, you know, to be. Yeah, hey, listen, Greg, anyway. I, and I don't mind. I didn't mind that call at all. I, I yeah. did not. I, I did not mind that because I, I, I think the train of thought there was, hey, we're down here so close. Let's put it in. And then if you're lucky enough to get the onside kick, I, I mean, a pass or two to get the highest paid place kicker of the NFL in some sort of Absolutely. quote unquote makeable position. I didn't have a problem with that call at all. Yeah, agreed. What else you got? That's it, man. Just continue to have a great day. Good show, and good luck for the rest of the season listening to everybody giving their two cents. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it's all about, Greg. I appreciate it. That's right. Uh, If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it, and I enjoy it a great deal. I, I just wanted to get my whole thought process out there to you because there are some that believe, oh, you're just going to be negative regardless. No, I'm not, but I'm going to tell you the truth regardless. And I've always said this, right? We've had so many people prior that used to say, hey, I'm telling you the truth, and they hit you over the head with it. I, I never felt that you and I were in a position where it was necessary for me to tell you that I was giving you a truthful opinion. And I've always felt really good about that. It's not like you've ever had to be reminded of it. But I just thought, I want to give you my position on Obviously understanding the situation with this team, but also talking about the real subject matter that's going on with it, which is also a part of the growth. Uh, Jim's up next at 239-1070. Jim, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, great. Thanks for having me. Uh, I thought we improved in a lot of areas except for one, and quite frankly, that was coaching. I don't understand why you have a rookie quarterback who needs a little help, and we're making uh, decisions that give up field position, especially in the first quarter. You're going forward on fourth down at midfield when we need to help Richardson pin them down there, and then we gave up the field position advantage two or three times by trying to go for it. It was questionable, and I don't understand why Steichen was doing that. 
uh, I don't know what your thoughts are. You, you, you want my line. theory on that? Hey, hey, Jim, would you yeah. like my theory? You can play off of it, too. My theory on that is that's who he's going to be with Anthony Richardson, with Gardner Minshew, with Jim on line three, with Numb Nuts radio host at Twin Peaks, with Devin the engineer. I just think that's who that coach is, and that's what he's going to do. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I like. I think we all like the aggressiveness and the right opportunity, but I thought that that really changed the complexity of the game when we went forward on fourth down when we should have just pinned him down there and, and switched field positions with him. Yeah, and I just I – just, and, and maybe he learns, especially with the personnel that he has right now, that that's easier said than done. And, and let's just say, for example, it's much easier to do that as the OC in Philadelphia – when you've got two guys on the outside, a guy on the inside, three dudes that can run the ball, and an experienced quarterback getting it done, it's easier to do there. Maybe you figured that out. I just thought in that first game, those decisions he made, that's because that's how he's built, and that's how he is, and that's who he wants to be moving forward. That was just my thought. Yep, I agree, and, and maybe maybe in two or three years when they do get the right personnel, then then we'll look back and go, maybe maybe it was the right thing to do at the time to get him some experience. So I appreciate your time. You call anytime, Jim. I thank you very much for that. Yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. I do. I got a lot of, man, this guy's just like Frank Reich stuff. I just think that's who Shane Steichen is. For better or for worse in that first game. And then maybe you learn from that. And that's what I'm curious about. Do you learn from that? I You can't be this riverboat gambler type of person when your offensive line can't push forward to get a half inch on fourth down. Or your, your running game averages, you know, a yard and a half per carry. Or you, you can't go down the field, you can't go outside the numbers because nobody at all can get any separation whatsoever. You know, maybe you learn from that. I just thought yesterday he was just trying to be um, who he wants to be, who he is. At least in those, those decisions, Greg. Thank you very much for the call. Monday Night Football tonight at Twin Peaks. Great food, outstandingly ice-cold beer. And, of course, Monday Night Football to close out this week with the Bills and the Jets. Should be good. Yeah, a lot of surprises yesterday. The Rams-Seahawks on the road, 30-13, the Rams over Seattle. You know, it's funny. I'm not a Cowboys fan at all. I just I thought it was kind of funny. How about going in against the Giants on Sunday Night Football and shellacking them 40 to nothing? That's pretty funny, I think. I don't like the Cowboys, but I think that's pretty funny nonetheless. Uh, Dolphins, you can make an argument. Hey, do they need Jonathan Taylor? 36-34 on the road against the Chargers. Most of the time, even a good Chargers team is a choking dog type of Charger team. And clearly, I was all over the Broncos being a surprise early with Sean Payton losing at home to the Raiders 17-16. The genius that I am right here. Uh, Speaking of which, Michael Lombardi, bottom of the hour, the GM Shuffle podcast and, of course, he's got a book out, the former NFL executive. His thoughts on yesterday's game and the rest of week number one. And Stephen Holder coming up at the top of the hour. Twin Peaks in Castleton on a reaction Monday. There's no overreaction here. We're in reaction mode. 
Colts losing to Jacksonville yesterday. And we got you covered here. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live at 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Well, wait just a minute. Did anybody f- knock anymore? 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to the show. Uh, this portion of the Ride with JMV brought to you by Win Schuler's Indy's favorite cheese spreads. Incredible spreadability in all flavors you can find at your local Meyer or Kroger. This is Schuler's Indy's favorite cheese spreads. Hey, we're at Twin Peaks Northeast Side in Castleton. Monday Night Football features the Bills and the Jets later on tonight. 31-21, Jaguars over the Colts yesterday. Colts get Houston down in Houston coming up on Sunday. About that and then some regarding week number one. Got a great new book out. Also a part of a podcast, the GM Shuffle, I listened to before I walked in here a little bit earlier. It's a friend of the show, the former NFL executive, Michael Lombardi, who joins us now. Hello, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Is the uh, the book kicking ass and taking names? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't tend to look at that. I, I kind of have a Rick Rubin quote here on my desk says, uh, we're in service to the work more to the, than the audience. So I'm just going to, whatever happens, it happens. You know, I, I'm not, I, I can't determine what people like and won't, you know, I mean, I disagree with people quite a bit when it comes to football. So I, I can't imagine that, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure, I hope it is. I, I, I enjoy doing it. That's what really matters the most. Here's the thing. Uh, I'm assuming you were already in the cool club, but when, when you quote Rick Rubin, you automatically get and gain entry right there. That's well done out of you, Michael. Well <laughs> done. You. Thank <laughs> you. I read a book by, I mean, I've become obsessed with him. I mean, the guy is a creative genius, and uh, yeah. I learned a lot from him. I wish I would have read him when I was still in the league. You know what's funny about that is um, anyway, we're going to get completely off track. Thank you very much uh, because I love this. He may go down and should go down in history as one of the more creative geniuses that we have ever seen in terms of entertainment, in his case, music. I mean, one of the all-timers. No question. I mean, from Johnny Cash to Run DMZ, I mean, like the guy's incredible and, and he and the fact that he was doing it all from his dorm room at, at NYU is even more remarkable. So, yeah, there's a lot to learn from the creative process. His book is great because I think what, what it teaches you is we are all creative people. And if you're a coach, if you're a leader, we write about this a lot for the Daily Coach, you got to tell a story. And your stories are what gravitate people to you. And I, and I think that's really important. Find his work at the Daily Coach as well. Michael Lombardi joins us. Uh, a lot to learn, certainly, from Anthony Richardson. But what were your thoughts on his debut and that loss for the Colts yesterday? Well, I, I think we, it was what was expected, right? I mean, you know, we know we're going to have good. We know we're going to have bad. And we're going to have some in between. And, you know, I, I think he is going to grow. Look, here's what happens with a lot of young players in the league. They don't. They don't, the playbook is kind of small for them, right? Because they don't have a lot of experience and they don't have a lot of time to go through it. So you go into a game when you're not really fully prepared on what's going to happen in that game uh, because nobody shows anything in preseason. So you do what you do. You kind of show your game plan. And then the adjustments. Remember, football's the three-dimensional game. The first quarter is about figuring out 
what's actually in the game plan. The second and the third quarter are about the adjustments. And then the fourth quarter is a standalone game. And what happens to a lot of young rookie quarterbacks, by the time they get to the fourth quarter, they don't have any plays. They don't have any plays left. And so what are they going to run? What are they going to do? It becomes a real problem. And I think that's what happened to him. I think that's what kind of messed up, not messed up, but I think that's what kind of creates a problem is the, the longer the game goes, the less effective it becomes. And I, and I think that's really kind of hard. And that's when you, and granted, three and outs in the fourth uh, led to that. A punt return uh, that put the uh, Jaguars in field position helped lead to that too. But what you're talking about too is being able to to lean on other aspects. And unfortunately, yeah. a defense that looked good prior to the fourth quarter, and Michael, I heard this on your podcast a little bit earlier talking about the Colts' defense where I, I, I was surprised rather pleasantly you know, in the first portions of the game, going into the third quarter, all that. But unfortunately, they were 32nd in fourth quarter defense a year ago, and they gave up 14, albeit in short fields and not being able to get off the field at all in the fourth quarter yesterday. But that that's problematic. And those, in terms of what you're talking about, is the type of help that a rookie quarterback inexperienced like that needs where others didn't step up in that capacity. No question. And I think the other factor is, look, the, the, the rookie quarterback needs to play from in front. You know, it's one of those you've got to control the pace of the game. You've got to be able to play from in front. And that's a hard thing to do. And if your defense can't get control of the game, it, it becomes problematic. And I think that's the way it's going to be for the Colts. And I think each week will be better for Richardson, but each week will be challenging. And I think you're going to see that. It, that's what – typically happens with the young players. And the other thing I think, too, is when you're running this six-back offense, you got to make some plays down the field. you got to be able to – that's the reason you have the run game involved in the, in the passing game. You want to be able to play action pass people. You want to be able to create some separation and make some big plays. And I think that's a hard thing to do. I, I think that's a hard thing to do. What I was encouraged with was he didn't really – I thought he threw the ball really well. I thought he, you know, he only had 13 incomplete passes in the game, and there really weren't that many bad throws. You know, now, you know, I think as people start to figure him out, how he handles that, what he does against them, I think will all start to kind of manifest itself. Remember, it takes 20 games to figure out who a quarterback is, because every defensive coach is looking at him. They're like, you're like a basketball player. There's certain spots on the court a basketball player shoots well. He goes to his right, he goes to his left, or she goes to his right, she goes. You know, and once you 20 games have been out there, you kind of have a sense, okay, this is who this guy is. So when Baker Mayfield took the world by storm, you know, once people figured out if we rush him down the middle and make the pocket tight, he's not a very good player. Same thing with Kyler Murray. If we make him play quarterback from the back of the quarter, the center – it's harder for him to see, but if we let him run around and go beep, beep and make plays, oh, he's great. So Michael Lombardi joins us at the, the Daily Coach. The one thing that I bring up, and you mentioned 20 games, and, and my opinion is going after one, and, and we all know about Jonathan Taylor and, and where he is on PUP and, and that dramatic situation that is ongoing right now. But outside of that big play touchdown from Michael Pittman Jr., there was zero running game from a running back standpoint. A yard and a half per carry was that group's average. And there is simply put, their skill position players 
just don't equate to me, Michael, in helping a rookie quarterback that clearly is going to need that. And I, I know it's a rebuild and all, and the Colts aren't going to say it, but I, I just think that's where Chris and company erred in judgment to where we are right now. If you're going to go after one game, I understand that. They get Houston next weekend, but I just don't see how very much, certainly not dramatically, but very much that's going to get a lot better. Well, you know, when you look at Jalen Hurts, his second year in Philly, when he was the starter, they went and lost to Tampa in a playoff game. It, Anthony, when they when they traded for A.J. Brown, that made all the difference in the world. And I don't think Chris or anybody in the Colts think they have the skill players around Richardson that they're going to need. They're trying to manufacture it. You know, they're trying to hopefully get to it. You know, but they don't have that playmaker. They don't have that guy that can really – create some problems with the defense. So uh, I think that's an ongoing work that they need to get to get covered. You can't fill all the needs in one draft. And, you know, it, look, nobody expected Taylor to end up like this. Even the kids said in April he was going to play out his contract. So these are one of those things. But the one thing I do know is the league moves on. You can find running backs, and I'm sure they'll keep digging for one. Yeah, I, probably sooner rather than later, the way Deion Jackson played yesterday and giving the ball yeah. up twice as well. Michael Lombardi joins us. I, I did one more thing regarding Taylor. You and I talked going back about a month ago about his situation, and certainly a lot of it is the same with the exception of he is now on PUP as the season is moving along. He's got three more weeks of that. So give me your thoughts on what you believe to be a logical outcome once the four weeks are passed on PUP for Taylor. Well, if he wants to get a contract and he wants to make this $17 million that he thinks he can get and the agent told him he'll get it for him, he's got to play football. Football players play football, you know? And so that's the key. And I, and I think to me – that's what would, would solve all the problems for everybody. It doesn't have to be extended past the season. But if he comes in and plays and he's worth $17 million a year, then some team would have paid for it. But Chris Ballard's phone, he let his phone ring. There's a reason they, the Colts gave him permission to seek a trade. They wanted him to know what the market was. They got tired of telling him what the market was. When, and, and reportedly, the, the price tag for what they wanted in return was so high that uh, there's nobody around the NFL was going to consider that. It, what, what, type of, what type of play ploy was that? Again, this is, these are reports regarding Christian Watson you know, and, and Jalen Waddle down in Miami that came uh, about a week or so ago. You know, what's the play for the Colts to get that type of information out there, placing the price tag so high that no way in the world will anybody think about matching that. Well, but look, he, he was a guy who won $17 million. Why do you think the price tag's too high? If you're going to trade a good player, shouldn't you get a good player back? Yeah, no no doubt. I just we were talking about you know wide receivers of that ilk compared to a running back the way that it is. It just seemed to me like you place that price tag up there because it's your belief that nobody is going to reach it. So that's why I'm asking you, as somebody that's been in the NFL, is is there some other ploy, scheme, thought, blueprint that's going on on the other side of this where you know maybe they can meet in the middle, maybe he comes back, plays out here, maybe they do against Jim Irsay's early wishes, end up trading him. Is that an outcome that you can foresee? Maybe him getting dealt? Maybe they lower the price tag, he ends up someplace else? 
I think they're better off waiting. You know, they're, I think they're better off waiting than lower. Why should they lower the? If the guy believes he's this great player, the agent's convinced the player he's going to make them all this money. Then why should the Colts be the one who have to compromise? They own his rights. They can franchise him next year. You have to do what's in the best interest for the Colts, not what's in the best interest for Jonathan Taylor. He's the one who took this stance. I mean, I think the Colts would have paid him $12, 13000000 million a year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He just wants he wants more than that. He wants to be $17, 18000000 million. And that's, I don't think there's a team in the league that wants to pay that to any running back. So Michael Lombardi joins us, the former NFL executive with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group line. I will get away because uh, I was listening again to your podcast and you're know, talking about the the rookie quarterbacks, you know, in terms of Anthony Richardson. But what do you think about both Stroud and Young in their debuts yesterday? I, I thought, you know, like a lot of them, I, I thought the same as I thought. I thought I thought Richardson, excuse me, I thought that Young was really good at timing. I thought his arm was good. I thought he made mistakes, right? And I thought that, you know, he struggled. He didn't have all his receivers with him. Uh, that became a problem. And then he got behind in the fourth quarter. Stroud, the same thing. I mean, they have two, two over 10 play drives. They scored three points on each one, made it very difficult. So I, I think they're a work in progress. I think they are a work in progress, and it's going to take some time. I think if I'm a Colt fan, I'm happy with Richard City because I thought he threw the ball more accurately for the Colts than he did at the University of Florida. And that's important. That was big. And, and I, But the thing he's got to do is find the ability to in, and get that run game and not get hurt. And he's got to stay on that field. I'm, what do you view – like I, I think the Ravens, to me, have a legitimate shot to, to surprise – Surprise, surprise more than just, for example, winning a division. Losing J.K. Dobbins, looking at that offense the way that it is, what effect will that have? And do you still like them if you did like them prior to Michael moving forward? You know, I, I, I worry about their secondary. I worry about their defense. Now, they weren't challenged yesterday by by Houston because of the rookie quarterback. And then remember, Houston's offensive line was completely out of whack. I mean, they didn't have any yeah, of their guys in there, so that became a problem. I think it's going to be hard for Baltimore if they don't get better in the back end of their defense and they need Marlon Humphrey back. Look, I think the North is great. I mean, Pittsburgh laid a big egg yesterday. We know that, but we think they're good. And then I think, you know, you know, Cincinnati and Cleveland are still good teams. What'd you think about the uh, NFL package on YouTube TV for the first time yesterday, Michael? Have any thoughts on that? I'm assuming you're in front of it. it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I actually could operate it. I didn't realize you had a, you know, I don't know if anybody, you have to download the YouTube TV app. I thought I could do it through my YouTube app. But once I figured that out, man, I was off to the races. I was enjoying it. It was good. It was really good. I'm looking forward to every Sunday. that, That has such a profound effect on people on game day, too, because it's almost like, hey, I'm better off sitting right here, and I can get it all. I mean, for you and what you do, you have to see it all, but then you get the average fans out there. They're in, like, 19 different fantasy football leagues or whatever. They also want that aspect, so that has a profound effect, I would think, on the entire game day experience when it's that easy to get what you want on a game day week in and week out like that. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, look, I, I I can't study four games, but I can look at games, and you know, and and I and I spend the week. I'll spend this week studying those games and kind of getting a handle on what's actually going on, and kind of helps me handicap the next week's games. 
The GM Shuffle is the podcast, and I certainly would advise you to check that out. It's always really good. At the Daily Coach as well. He's the former executive. And if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind to check up maybe in the next three or so weeks to see if there is some solution regarding Jonathan Taylor around here and see where we are a month deep with Anthony Richardson. But I'd love to have you back on if you got a minute. Anytime. Feel free to have me on anytime. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. You got Michael Lombardi right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I really like talking to him. I do. Really like talking to him. And see, we, you can tell we, um, we, we don't quite get on the same page as far as Taylor and the makeup of this, this Colts team right now. But, you know, he's a guy that's actually been there and done that and has Super Bowl rings. And uh, if I had a collar and not a V-neck, I'd just have a ring around the collar. That's about it. Uh, we're live. Twin Peaks, Castleton on a Monday. Monday Night Football features the Bills and the Jets. Of course, there's no better place to eat and to drink and to watch Monday Night Football than Twin Peaks. I would advise that to you tonight as well. Quick break. We'll come back. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. More of your responses to yesterday's Colts loss to Jacksonville at home. Houston, of course, in week number two down in Houston coming up on Sunday. That and more for you at 239-1070. It's 93.5, 107.5, the fan. The Ride with JMV. Awesome! Totally awesome! All right, Hamilton. 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Hey, I got a quick one here. Oh, look at that. James is like digging on you Pearl Jam fans out there with the postponement yesterday. Giving you even flow right here. My man, Daryl. Daryl probably lost a lot of rides by virtue of that. That was a late one, too. It's funny. I was coming out of the JMV takeover. Uh, downtown on Saturday night, and I saw all the Pearl Jam buses pull up to the Conrad. And then evidently somebody in the band uh, was ill yesterday. They had to postpone that. I'm assuming at some point, and, and uh, Kyle Johnson or somebody from Live Nation can give me a heads up on this. I kind of wonder what the date will be because the, the Ruoff season is winding down relatively quickly right here. And I, I did see in what... Pearl Jam put out as a release that they're going to be in Fort Worth for two shows in Austin for two shows. So I, I don't know when conceivably speaking, they're going to be able to make it back here. Hey, Kyle, if you're listening right now, man, send me a text or something and see what uh, everybody might be thinking, because that is a huge question. A lot of generation Xers like me last night, incredibly disappointed that that was postponed Pearl Jam for the first time since 2010 postponed last night the first time in the area since 2010 postponed last night twin peaks castleton our location michael lombardi was outstanding if you missed any of it especially regarding the colt situation and taylor podcast 107.5 thefan.com don't miss a minute of that stephen holder the latest on anthony richardson's health evan hall how much time will he miss in this early season that and more coming up on the other side. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, kid. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Twin Peaks, Northeast Side. Castleton, thank you for joining us on this uh, Monday Night Football Monday afternoon. We close week one. 
With the Jets and the Bills coming up later on tonight, of course, the Colts lose at home yesterday to the Jacksonville Jaguars. More discussion on that. If you guys aren't in yet, get in at 239-1070. You've heard my thoughts. I mean, really in-depth thoughts on the game so far. So I'll give you a chance here to close the show with that. Colts Roundtable live coming up at the top of the hour. And we've got a busy week for you. Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots coming up on Thursday. Parks Place Pub with our betting analyst, Brent Halverson. That is on Thursday in Fishers. I better see you there. You got to be there. Big week for us, too. Back in studio tomorrow, if you missed it. Michael Lombardi a little bit earlier, the former NFL executive, regarding the Colts yesterday and more surrounding NFL's week number one. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now, um, he joins us. And the voice is a bit iffy. I know this. Now, we celebrated new edition, got together back on 1978. Earlier this month, 1978, and I'm going to gauge whether or not that one of my favorite groups of all time, New Edition, if they held an open tryout, if Stephen Holder of ESPN.com would be worthy of making the squad. How's that voice sound? Can you hit any high notes? Any Johnny Gill-like high notes right here? The, no, there's there's no chance. No chance at all. Oh, fact, man. I, I think, I think, and so this is going to be rough, but I'm, I'm here for you, brother. Um, That's I all right, man. Is, I appreciate that. <laughs> I think this is the result of me screaming at the Colts to get a, the, to convert a, a freaking third down. Maybe that might be the result of that. I think, you know, so there were a lot yeah. of unconverted. <laughs> well, and we'll get, yeah, we'll get to the good and the bad uh, on this in just a second too. And obviously, uh, the bad to me starts with what you're talking about. It's kind of the same old, same old with, uh, you know, trying to be able to convert short yarded situations. Yeah. And then the fourth quarter defense was, uh, high, even if they were put in bad situations or whatever, gave up 14 yesterday. And that was pretty appropriate to what we witnessed throughout the season a year ago. But first things first, I do want to start with the, the relative health of Anthony Richardson. We saw him go down late in that game. Where did Shane Steichen say earlier he is as of the start of this week? Yeah, I mean, Shane was pretty optimistic about his status. He he didn't think there was any issue with Richardson coming out of, of the game. He he even said that, that Anthony could have gone back into the game on those final couple of plays, but they kind of made a decision in the heat of the moment to just kind of play it safe. I, I mean, I think they knew the game was over, so I, I get it. Uh, so I think he'll be fine. I don't. My concern is not about this week. My concern is is more in the grand scheme. Uh, he's got to worry about the accumulation of these things, and and that goes for both Richardson and for Shane Steichen. I think if you if you look at yesterday's game, uh, you saw a handful of designed runs where in, in the first half you saw a handful of designed runs where they intentionally had him run the ball. You did not see as much of that in the second half, if at all. You saw him run, but it was more of the, of the scramble variety where, you know, something broke down and he, he got out of the pocket. So I, I wonder, for example, was that deliberate on, Steich, on Shane Steichen's part, you know, to, to kind of, you know, keep him out of harm's way. So they're going to have to be smart about this. I mean, there were times I thought yesterday where it made sense to run Anthony Richardson, and they didn't. You know, and I and I think there was some, there was a, a deliberate attempt. I think perhaps to 
to you know be careful with him. So this is going to be a storyline, I think, throughout the season because I go back to what I said last week. Uh, Jalen Hurts in in Philadelphia, which Shane Steichen call in the plays, he was number one in the NFL in quarterback designed runs. So why would it be any different here, right? But but there's a cost yeah. to that potentially. So interesting. Well, and, and Stephen Holder of ESPN.com joins us. There's a cost for that. And then right now, he Jalen Hurts started to really take shape, as we saw a year ago, when the weapons were placed around him. And yeah. I mean, right now, if there's a worse skill position group in the NFL, you'll have to tell me who the hell that is. And well, well, I mean, Deion Jackson was horrible. Away. They. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, let's talk about that too. I mean, yeah. it, it, so many things are taken away in a rookie quarterback that's inexperienced t- trying to grow when the rest of the offense around him is so bad. A hundred percent. I mean, look, I, I just mentioned Jalen Hurts. Okay, what I didn't mention, and you alluded to, is that uh, he's going to have much different running lanes than Anthony Richardson right now because of what else is on the field with Jalen Hurts. I mean, you know, where's A.J. Brown, right? I mean, they don't have those kinds of weapons. You know, Devontae Smith is out there. Uh, so the, the, the approach and the philosophy might be similar, you know, with the two quarterbacks, but, but the circumstances are not similar, and that's just true. Uh, so I, I, do, I do think it, it is what it is. Um, I, I think they have some potential – at those at the wide receiver and tight end spots, I, I have felt that way throughout. But what they don't have is a lot of proven talent. I mean, really, very little of it, frankly. Uh, they have Michael Pittman, who I thought made one of the best plays I've seen him make yesterday with the, the way he ran that ball on the the wide receiver screen, the way he ran after the catch. <laughs> Excuse me, after the catch. That is that is some of the the, the hardest running I've seen him do ever. So that was great. Uh, but what they what they aren't getting right now is guys going up and making contested catches, for example, or or just winning and, and getting open. Uh, they're not get, they're not doing a lot of that. So it's it's one thing to say, okay, the running back room right now is just absolutely devoid of any threats, but to also you know have have some issues at among the pass catchers. I mean that compounds the problem. So. Anthony Richardson right now, I, I think if you didn't watch the Colts game and you just look at his numbers, you'd probably say, ah, okay, that was decent. But if you watch the game, then I think you really appreciate the fact that he probably rose above the situation far more than you would ever expect a rookie to do. And so I actually give him even more credit for for having some success in spite of the circumstances. So good for him. But 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 he can't he can't carry this offense. Like I mean, come on. No, he can't. Stephen Holder joins us as well with, with the running back situation, and obviously Evan Hall going to miss some time. I'm assuming this week they're going to go out and try to find a a veteran presence of, of some sort. I do want you to to respond to that, but. Does yesterday and just how big of a disaster the running game was with their running backs, does that change any future dynamic in their thinking at all with Jonathan Taylor? Well, first of all, yeah, they're, they're going to have to make a roster move, I think. Uh, I, I, would, I took from Shane Steichen's available, availability earlier that 
that Evan Hull is going to be out for at least some period of time. So, uh, so I don't think they'll have him. So you got to do something. Uh, Zach, Zach Moss, okay, is he available? Maybe. But look, I, I just want to be clear. Like, I think Zach Moss can help, but I don't think Zach Moss makes a significant difference. He just doesn't. You know, so I think they are where they are. He gives them a little bit of a boost, but I don't think he is a big game changer here at running back. So <clears throat> does does that circumstance change things with Taylor? I, I mean, right now, no, but, you know, they still have several weeks before he's eligible to play. But But it certainly doesn't give them, you know, any – it doesn't strengthen the Colts' argument. Let's put it that way. You know, and, and whatever that argument is that, oh, you know, we just got to kind of see what we have. And, and no, come on. I mean, look, talent, talent is talent. I don't care what the system is. This whole idea that, uh, you know, we got a new new scheme and, and all that. I mean, yeah, come on. I mean, if you have a great running back, do you do you care what scheme he's in? I, I mean, uh, there could be some circumstances where, a guy would be better in one scheme than another. But ultimately, when a guy is special, he's special. And it doesn't matter to me. So that argument to me was always just completely void. The other argument, uh, you know, we won four games last year. You know, we need to see who wants it, et cetera. Okay, I think that's fair. But, but I also think, look, you, you have to signal to your team that you are doing everything possible to try to win, and to your fans as well. So – just dismissing it out of hand is, is is really interesting. Now, here's the thing. I'm not suggesting that they should run run out and pay Jonathan Taylor. I mean, that's that's crazy to suggest that after that game, they should just give him whatever he wants, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I do think, though, is that where, where I think Chris Ballard may have maybe made a misstep here, go back to the spring when the Colts told him, we are not extending your contract. I think the mistake there possibly could have been the the one alternative could have been okay. Look, we're not saying no, but we'll, we're not open to it right now. But let's keep talking. That was one way to at least keep the door open. Maybe it ultimately doesn't get done, but you could keep the door open, keep Taylor in, engaged, and and keep talking to him. And maybe he comes to camp with the hopes of getting a deal. Maybe. He comes in and, and is more serious about, you know, performing and, and playing. And maybe maybe he'd be on the field right now. I don't know. Uh, I'm not I'm not eliminating his faults in this because certainly Taylor has played a role in all this too. But but I do wonder I do wonder what would have happened had Chris Ballard taken that approach and said, Hey, let's let's work this out, let's talk about it and let's see if we can figure something out as opposed to just saying no right out of him. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. He is absolutely nutting up and getting through this right now. I appreciate that because you got some knowledge and conversation pieces that we certainly – what's that? Um, like, can, can you guys even hear me? No, you sound – fine. I can hear you fine. Okay, cool, and let me cool. tell you this. I'm nearly deaf, so if I can hear you, you're just fine. Believe me. All right, cool. If I can hear you, you're fine. I um, Yeah, the, the air in judgment um, certainly – is one that seems to be a little bit profound in this case. I is one game enough for this? I or and I, I guess to add to that, 
Is this more about a Ballard stance, an Ursay stance, or a Ballard and Steichen stance, or is it all three together? Is there an edge while we find ourselves in this situation with Taylor and the Colts, and especially in that running game? Is, is one more accountable for this than the other here? Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's Chris Ballard. As it was told to me, okay, this is secondhand, but that's all we got, right? I wasn't in the room. My understanding is Jim Irsay was was willing to do whatever deals uh, they felt comfortable doing this off season, and you know Taylor was certainly uh, someone they talked about. And my understanding is that it was Chris Ballard's decision to to move forward in this fashion and and to not extend that deal right now. So uh, I I do believe. I can't promise you this, but it's my opinion, okay, that had Chris Ballard said, hey, I, I think it's really important that we extend Jonathan Taylor, I think it would have got done. I think Jim Mercer would have signed off. Yes. So I don't think it's, it really has anything to do with Shane Steichen. I, I think this is about Chris Ballard and, and a philosophical decision that he's making. Hey, you think this would have been a different situation? If there would be more of uh, an immediate need to see results, you know what I mean? Because now yeah, I think yeah. both you and I are on the same page with this. He, he's going to have three years to either do the same old lack of results stuff we've seen so far or, you know, have a, a turn of the page, change of pace and do something different positively here. W- w- would we see a similar set of circumstances if there wasn't more of an immediate need to win? Okay, well, I'll answer your question with a question. Yeah. Is Chris Ballard operating like someone who is concerned about his job? Right? No. I mean, clearly. He is not. Clearly, yes, that's right? it. Yeah, I, I probably could have saved about not, a minute and a half right there, yeah. So. Yeah, it, it's, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a criticism. I'm not, I'm not saying that as a criticism. I'm, I'm just stating a reality. And the fact is, I think – he he understands that because Jim Mercy has said it. You know, Jim Mercy has has basically been clear that you know they're going to reevaluate and take a step back, and and they're going to build this thing. Uh, or I don't even think "build" was the word, but I mean they're going to proceed in a different fashion. Um, it feels like a rebuild. They're not calling it that, and it's not a traditional rebuild. They didn't cut a bunch of people. They brought back the same team, but they certainly didn't add to it. Okay, I mean, what what is the big move they made this year? Uh, Anthony Richardson, and outside of that, what are we talking about? Tell me, tell me the big transaction the Colts made. Uh, yeah. In fact, they they go the other way. The big transactions go the other way. Stephon Gilmore's gone. You know, got moves like that. So, I mean, they're not a team that really made any concerted effort uh, to to have a significant talent upgrade that did not happen this offseason so to me that tells you everything you need to know and and again it's not a criticism nothing i just said was was critical these these are facts that's what it is is um is this lack of a running game and and specifically a lack of if it were a normal jonathan taylor is this progress damaging for anthony richardson in your opinion I mean, it, it, it's not good for this reason because 
I think what you you want your young quarterback to experience some success, and it just makes it harder on him. You know, you you want him, you want him to get into a groove and and throw a few touchdowns, and you want him to to really experience, you know, some some good fortune, and he did have some to his credit, but but this makes it a lot harder. And so, I think in the grand scheme, that hurts him. And you know, when when you do experience some success as a young player particularly a quarterback with all that pressure on you. Uh, I really think that there's a, there's a snowball effect there, you know, and the confidence grows and all that. And so, you know, it, that's where it hurts him. I think the, the good news for them, and they know this, the good news is that he's incredibly headstrong. He is um, certainly a cool customer, all those things. Right. So, I mean, he won't be burdened by this, but, but I, but I don't think it helps him. It certainly doesn't. And ultimately, look, I mean, teams are gonna they're gonna watch the tape, and they're gonna know that the Colts can't run the football. And so uh, they're going to, you know, they're gonna dare Anthony Richardson to make tough throws, and and that just makes his life harder. So Stephen Holder of ESPN.com with his feed, the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Had they been able to? run the football at all, much less the running backs average themselves a yard and a half per carry, which is embarrassing. But if they were able to do that at all, might we have seen a shot or two down the field? Because I, I kept waiting on it. It never came. Um, and I kind of wondered also how, how scripted the playbook was from Steichen to Richardson and, and how, how deeply into the game they went with, with the script going. That's a good question. I, I actually, as I was watching it, I did wonder if Shane was being a little conservative at times. But yeah. on the other hand, uh, I think this goes back to what I was just saying. You know, the Jaguars not really respecting the run game. You know, they, they stayed in that too deep safety look for much of the game. And when you've got those too deep safeties, it's really hard to take shots. So, so Anthony did the right thing. He took the underneath passes. He took the check downs. He did a good job. I mean, he had the one interception, uh, and I think he he probably should have came off that progression. That's probably on him. But anyhow, um, for the most part, he did a good job taking what they gave him. I mean, and they didn't give him much. So you're, you, you asked me just now, you know, if the Colts would have run the ball, could they perhaps have taken some, some deeper shots? And the answer is yes. Uh, if you are running the ball um, effectively, and we saw this with Jonathan Taylor, I mean, how, uh, two years ago, how many times in 2021 did Jonathan Taylor run against eight-man boxes? All the time, right? All the time. And so when you do that, you get them out of that those, those two deep safeties, and, and maybe they bring one of those safeties down, and now it's a single safety. Well, that's the look you want. That's what you want to be able to take those deep shots, and and without it, uh, it, it's just really hard on a rookie quarterback, particularly because the windows are going to be smaller, and you're asking him to be really precise with the ball, and you know it, it's it's just a lot. So it's tough, and, and and the Jaguars deliberately kept those two safeties deep. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Stephen Holder, VSPN.com, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, it concern you as all, at all, or is it more of a product of the three and out, the three and out, the short field, and, and all that? 
Um, with the 14 given up in the fourth quarter by a defense a year ago that was 32nd in fourth quarter defense. Because, listen, there were so many good things to talk about with the defense yesterday, and then unfortunately it all kind of went out the window with the way things ended. Is is that entirely – do we place that in comparison to a year ago on the defense, or was that more about basically the lack of any offense whatsoever, ball movement-wise? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it wasn't great, no question. But I – I do think at some point, look, you, you got to get some first downs. I mean, ultimately, that is what did them in last year. I mean, they were great on defense, but but I mean, they were serviceable at times. They, they just had an offense last season that just couldn't move the ball. So, you know, it was inevitable. And I felt a little bit of that in the fourth quarter yesterday. Um, you know, the, the, the offense got really stagnant in the second half at times. And, and I just think that is, that's just really detrimental to a defense. So, you know, not great. And, and I think their sudden change defense was bad after, uh, after the, the interception, they, they weren't great on the sudden change. I think they scored three plays later after Richardson threw the pick. So you can't have that. Um, but, but ultimately there, there was an issue there where it was uh, frankly, just an inability to get first downs, and that, that makes it really tough on the defense. I think I would say overall, uh, I was I was heartened by what I saw from the defense, but they, they just got to tighten some things up. No question about that. They they definitely got to tighten up some things. But but given given who was playing cornerback and and you know things of that nature, I mean I wasn't very optimistic about that. I mean I thought they held up okay, and I think that was they they did a worthy job. I thought. Short yardage was kind of like short yardage that we know. It was not any good. How did you view at the end of that game the way the offensive line played? Because I I felt you could look at it a couple of different ways here. I I couldn't really tell other than it kind of looked like the same old, same old in terms certainly of short yardage. And and obviously – uh, you can look at play calling, you know, on third down and on fourth, I, whatever. But I, I just thought, yeah. I thought that there was a lot of the same old, same old there. How'd you view it? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the offensive line uh, overall was okay, just okay. Uh, and I thought in the short yardage situations, there were some instances where they just they did not get enough push. Just frankly, didn't. And so. You know, I, I would grade them kind of average yesterday, the offensive line. And I, I, I mean, I'm going to go back and look at a little more of it. I, I've done some of that already uh, in watching the tape. Um, but, you know, I, I thought they I thought they could have gotten some more out of the offensive line. And I thought they left a little bit on the bone there. Uh, the, the pass protection, I mean, it was fine. It was fine. It, 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 it broke down at times. I think four sacks, some of that is Anthony kind of, you know, indecisive at times. And, and dealing with that deep coverage. Uh, so, you know, it takes longer to get through your progressions. But, you know, but you know, you, you don't want to have four sacks. So could could do a little better there. But, I mean, again, I would say, okay, a, a passing grade from the offensive line, but nothing stellar, I would say. Any other injuries before I let you go here, Stephen? Yeah. Stellar effort by you, by the way, through the pain <laughs> of the voice right there. Any other injuries that we need to be aware of? No, I, I think they're okay. I mean, um, the, well, the one would be uh, Ogletree with the, the concussion, and that's too bad because, uh, you know, he, he is a guy that if he could ever stay on the field, 
I think this kid has real breakout potential. But we're going to have to wait again to see it. We'll, we'll see how he is come Wednesday, but um, that was a big play he made. I mean, then that guy teed off on him. Just absolutely teed off. That's just a, you can't do that. Um, you know, I, for a second, wondered if the refs might throw him out of the game. You know, so, but anyhow, unfortunate there, and hopefully he's okay. The big thing there, though, like I said, with Ogletree, is just he hasn't been on the field for any consistent length of time, given what happened to him last year, the ACL, and then he's kind of been in and out in training camp this year and through the preseason. So, really with him, it's going to boil down to staying on the field, and and can we, you know, really find out what he's about? Because I think there's a lot there. I like that guy a lot. Hey, Sanchez struggled, um, there, oh, no yeah. doubt, special teams-wise. Um, was there any portion of it that had you thinking back and wondering what if Ashton Doolin was healthy? Well, I mean, that did not help them at all. There's no question about that. I mean, you know, we we forget sometimes those those, you know, injuries to what we call, you know, role players, right? But their 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 roles are important in the grand scheme. And so, yeah, I think Ashton Doolin being out there might have made a difference. I mean, you're out there with – you got a new special teams coach. You've got – you know, you got some new guys out there in, in different spots. You know, and by the way, not just a new special teams coach, but you, you went from Bubba Ventrone, who was yeah. one of the finest in the league at that job. I don't know what they have now in, in Brian Mason – um, I'm sure he's fine. He did a good job at Notre Dame. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't have a track record in the NFL. So I have no idea what we're dealing with here. So um, he's going to have to prove it. You know, he's going to have to figure that out. And uh, special teams has been the one area, you know, the, the Colts, even in down years, they, they've been really consistent. So they can't afford for that to uh, take a turn for the worse either. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. A great effort, my man. I know it was a bit of a struggle yeah, for you, but there's a lot of info there. That I, it was it was so interesting where I am right now, Stephen, with with this team. And I tried to explain to everybody at the outset. Listen, I get the fact that this is a rebuild, even if they're not telling you that. Uh, but yeah. it's not okay for me to get back here on Monday and just put up my hands and say, "Oh well, you know, he's an inexperienced quarterback. He threw a pick in the fourth quarter." You know, well, you know, they played really close and it was exciting, but they lost. I, I, you you got to tell it how it is. And I think a lot of people just want to put their hands up and go, hey, it's a rebuild and this is how it's going to be. But they had legitimate opportunities to surprise and then win that game. And unfortunately, kind of pulled their, the rug out from under themselves a couple of different times. And, and that stuff where you want to see progress, but you see a quicker progress through, I think, terms of winning and success. And I thought that was a missed opportunity for them yesterday, even in week one. Yeah. No, well, two things. Number one, uh, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, it's it's going to be a down year. It's just a developmental year. You know, it's fine. Well, that gets pretty old really quick, number one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, as a fan, right? No so doubt. They're not going to be saying that in six weeks. Okay, I, I assure you. Number one. Number two, if you truly want to evaluate this quarterback and find out who, what he's about, then give him the tools. And I just think they failed to do that. Yeah, majorly failed to do that. And, yeah. you know, it, it's something that we joke about. People have joked about it with Chris. He's joked back. And 
you know, you think maybe he's getting it and you still kind of circle back and find yourself in a similar situation. My friend, I appreciate that. Thanks for coming on here with the information. Get that voice better and uh, we'll talk at you later on. Yeah, my daughter will be happy. I can't yell at her to you know, empty the dishwasher. So she wins. <laughs> All right, brother. Good for the daughter. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Uh, Stephen Holder right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Chris Jones has signed a one-year deal. So he missed that game against Daryl's Lions and the Lions win. But he is back in the fold defensively for the Chiefs right now. He Signed today, that news just made available. Quick break, we'll come back. We're in Castleton, we're at Twin Peaks. I got time for your calls. We'll play off of what Stephen Holder and I just talked about at 239-1070. The email address is jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live at 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Three, sir. Three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show brought to you by Wendt Schuler's, Indy's favorite cheese spreads in a variety of flavors, including... Original cheddar and bacon cheddar. You can find Win Schuler's locally at Meyer and at Kroger. Win Schuler's Indy's favorite cheese spreads. Yes, uh, Northeast Side Castleton Twin Peaks location on this Monday. Monday Night Football tonight features the Bills and the Jets. The latest Chris Jones ends his holdout one-year deal. The defensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs is now in. Yeah, big weekend, too, college football-wise. I'm going to get your calls to close out the show here. Man, Texas on the road at Alabama was big. How about Purdue stepping up after that weather delay? That was lengthy. Getting the win at Vautech. Notre Dame, a win in Raleigh over North Carolina State. IU over my Sycamores on Friday night. That was the uh, football weekend collegiately in a nutshell. Yeah, Colorado still with the love that went over Nebraska for Deion Sanders. Big college football weekend to boot. Colts lose at home in that home opener yesterday against Jacksonville. We've been talking about that all day. Michael Lombardi, a little bit earlier, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Stephen Holder's information is there as well. 239-1070. Back to the phones now to catch up, and Jerome is up next. Hello, Jerome. How are you? Hey, how's it going, my man? Great, Jerome. Hey, man. Just to make it kind of short but sweet. I think we're watching the reenactment of the RG3 injury all over again with this team. Richardson is a thoroughbred. He's six foot five, two hundred and forty some pounds, almost the same size as Andrew Luck, who by the way, remember he retired, lacerated kidney and some other injuries. I don't understand why Earth say Jonathan Taylor's back there, that kid doesn't take half those hits. I don't understand how you know you need two right offensive tackles. You're gonna wait till the kid gets hurt and you're gonna sign somebody. You extended a kicker. You were willing and beg Philip Rivers to come back for $25 million a year. You don't have to give him the top of the food chain running back money, but anywhere between 12 and $14 million, Jonathan Taylor's worth that. Kareem Hunt, if we sign him, not trying to be mean or nothing, Kareem Hunt can't hold a candle to Jonathan Taylor. Why play around when you have a franchise running back? Michael Pittman is a very good two, a very good two, but you need another wide receiver out there with him. I mean, this is ridiculous. That kid's going to get hurt. There's a reason why you don't have 6'5 and 6'6 running backs. 
as Adrian Peterson. They, they're tackling you at your knees. Most of the guys are five nine to six foot two. They're aiming for his leg. He was half an inch away from yesterday having a torn ACL, and they want to put him out there with no offensive line. Come on, man. No, hey, I, I agree with mostly everything you just said, especially in terms of the need they have for Taylor. And I will say this, Jerome, with a healthy, with a Jonathan Taylor that we have seen productivity-wise in the past, the fact that there's no recognition of the level of need that is even for a team that doesn't have these lofty, winnable expectations this year just to get along with your quarterback, as you rightly mentioned, the fact that that is lost here in the shuffle for whatever reason is absolutely ridiculous to me. And it has been, and it remains. And I thought yesterday was yet another example of how ridiculous that is. The thing that bothers Jerome me most- seems to be gone. Hey, Jerome, are you there? I'm sorry. I thought you were gone. Go yeah. ahead. The thing that bothers me the most is, seriously, you have Jonathan Taylor back there. It's about three or four offensive tackles that were waived, not because of ability, because they made too much money. Ursa should have got at least two of them. There's still a wide receiver out there, one or two. They may not be one A's, but they're pretty good two B's, and they can help Jonathan Pittman. This team could actually make some noise this year with that kid at quarterback. But you don't want him to have happy feet and be all banged up. Everybody's talking about we want Marvin Harrison Jr. What good is Marvin Harrison Jr. next year with the number one pick if your quarterback is on aisle because he's going to tore out his knees because he's been hit 50,000 times? That was ridiculous at what he was going through. He got hit more, he got hit more yesterday than Barry Sanders got hit in the whole season. I, I listen, Jerome. I, I can't. I thank you for the call. I can't argue with a lot of that. I can't argue with a lot of that. I, I I can also tell you this. I mean, for everybody out there saying, "Hey, you know what? Lose and get Marvin Harrison Jr." That <laughs> who's going to guarantee that? Any of this? Right. And I will also tell you that success in terms of growth is important, and that is to me something you should be looking for with this rookie quarterback in mind. I, it, it, it is just, to me, so dumbfounding. Not, not just with Taylor, but the complete and utter lack of specialty weapons of any kind this team has and going into this season with Anthony Richardson, the rookie quarterback there, is just ridiculous to me. Jerome, a lot of what you said is right. Russell's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Russell. Howdy. Go ahead, Russell. I I agree with everything you're saying about no weapons, and to me, that's all on on uh, the GM. I mean, he can draft. No, yeah, a hundred percent. Yes, he can't. He can't bring bring in good players, and he can't resign the ones that he should. To me, and that's all I want to say. Hey, Russell, thank you very much. And for those of you out there that don't view this at a similar level of importance as do I or Russell or Jerome or anybody else that's called in today, Daryl. Why, um, why do you feel that way? Just curious. And when I asked Stephen Holder about just the comfort level that you have in not addressing these needs, because you know, you now after six years have time why do you not deem it as necessary as we do? Just out of curiosity. 239 1070. 
I know we got Colts Roundtable live top of the hour. Chris joins us right now. Hello, Chris. Hey, good. Hey, how's it going, Jamie? Chris, I'm fantastic. Thank you for the call. Yeah, I, I want to talk about a couple things and touch on a little bit of what everybody else is saying, too. I don't want to be negative because I, I think Richardson will be fine if he's coached up and all that, and that's all well. But Chris Ballard reminds me of Schlepprock, man. I mean, we, we talked about, you and Stephen Holland talked about free agent signings. How about the kicker that, that we left nine points on the field yesterday? I know that might have been Steichen not, you know, trying to be aggressive and go for it, and I get it. Yeah, and it, well, yeah that, was, that was definitely Steichen. Yeah, hey, Chris, that was definitely Steichen. I, I said this earlier. I said this earlier. That's just how he's going to be, yet you may see him adjust to that considering he just does not have the, the horses offensively to be, to be going for it in that fashion right now like he did in Philly. But go ahead. But we, but we signed the kicker for $25 million. When we talk about free agent signings, there's one of our signings right there, and Doc Ballard being yeah. slap rock. We got, we got special teams freaking out the wazoo, but our special team seems to be the worst aspect of our team. That's Chris Ballard in a nutshell to me. And well, I hate to sound that like pissed yeah. off about it, but, but goodness gracious, we, we spent money on special teams, but special teams is killing us. Thank and you, Chris, for the call. It's what's funny. Good, wasn't, good, wasn't good in the preseason either. Hey, Chris, thank you very much for the call. Regarding special teams, Stephen and I hit on that. I, I brought up Ashton Doolin, and he went even deeper on that with Bubba Ventrone. Now, I don't know where either one of those would fit into the category of why was Sanchez so bad at punting? But, you know, you, you take away it, you take away certain assets that you have. And, you know, a year ago with Sanchez, you know, people always said, you know, you know the punter's not that important. It doesn't matter. It's a dime a dozen or whatever. But when you took him away a year ago, that didn't matter. It just yesterday he struggled and that unit struggled. But remember, Bubba Ventrone now is what in Cleveland, I believe. And, uh, you know, Ashton Doolin's done for the season. So those are two major components to any success that group has had in recent history. But I, I just can't, I can't get over the fact that, you know, you, you look at this team and this is the, the skill position weapons they have. I'm not taking anything away from Michael Pittman Jr. I know it sounds like I am, but you know, that 39-yard, that are you minus that? where he got loose and got a little escort to the end zone. You minus that and look at the wide receiving group. It just, it has to be better. And there just isn't much of an outlook that it's going to be unless somebody has a change of tune, either on the Taylor side or on the, the Colts side right here. And I don't think anybody believes that's going to be the case, but yeah, the lack of skill players of offensive threat prowess, was startling yesterday. Startling. Two three nine ten seventy. We'll close it out with you coming up on the other side. We're live at Twin Peaks in Castleton on a reasonable Monday. Ninety three five and one zero seven five. The fan. The ride with JMV. Attention, whoever you are. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. The f- Lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, my friends, if you're keeping track at home, my glistening wood finish, that is my fantasy football league team, the FFL for the show and for the bar restock is going to cruise to victory over PBR me and Daryl 
And I listen, I, I had Brandon Ayuk and uh, the Dallas Cowboys defense and special teams go over 30-plus. And then the rest of my team, nobody had over 13. So my team really does suck other than those two aspects of it. So that is our Fantasy Football League winner-take-all bar restock with Heaven Hill Distillery. Week number one right there. And I guess James is doing all right there as well. Harley D, by the way, a buck 40 in week number one. That's nice. 239-1070, the time we have left. Tony, jump on board here and get some final comments with us. Hey, how's it going? I just wanted your opinion on a couple things here. Sure. So my thing is, is we go for it twice. We don't get it on fourth down. We're 0-2. So yeah. we go again, we go over 3 Now, I know we got two yeah. later on, I think, towards the end of the game. Why there's a little under less than two minutes. Why are we we're down ten? Why are we not kicking that field goal, saving time, and then yeah. doing either an onside or see if if there isn't the possibility to use our two timeouts and get the ball back? I mean, is, is this yeah, something? Th- this is going to sound like that. I'm, I'm kind of yeah. This is going to sound like here, Tony. I'm I'm trying to uh, you know stand up here for Shane Steichen and make an excuse, but I, I do kind of get it. To me, he felt that they were close enough to, though, you you punch it into the end zone, and then if you're fortunate enough to get an onside kick, then you don't have that far to go to get in Matt Gay's presumable field goal range. So I, I kind of get what they were doing there. I, I understand where you're coming from, uh, but I will say this about going forward on fourth down. To me, it's going to be more interesting to see with that team in mind and how unsuccessful that it was this past week I think that's how he is built in general, just going for it. I think that's how he's going to be, kind of a gambling head coach. But he did that, and I'm sure it worked out well in Philly as the OC. It is just completely different with the lack of talent they have here. And that's something that I wonder if that's not going to be a first-year major adjustment for him, Tony. Yeah. I don't mind Richardson, by the way, running the ball a little more, but heck. I hope he starts learning to protect himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. I, I, I get a, I get a bad feeling about all that, man. I don't know if you do, but I yeah. do. I, maybe it's just from hanging around the Colts so long, and you know, ultimately, some crap like that happens. But I get a bad feeling about it. Tony, thank you for the call, and we'll close it out. My, my thoughts to uh, everybody here at uh, Twin Peaks for a job well done. Thank you very much. Great time here today. Dev, great job out of you, too. Back at the station, James is there. And as always, on this date in history, we're thinking about September the 11th, 2001. And I often mention Mark Patrick, who I was working with on that day. It was the best radio that I've ever heard. Timely speaking for what was going on. Incredible on this day. And I always reflect regarding that day in general, but that day even here locally. Always thinking about it. Colts Roundtable Live coming up on the other side. Tomorrow back in studio, we'll resume our conversation at 3 o'clock. Talk to you then.